Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon from the podcast. Um, we wanted to give just a quick little message at the beginning of this show. Um, this is uh, Friday, September the 18th right now, and the podcast that you're going to listen to this time is 50 Years On, which was recorded earlier this week. Now, we were editing the episode to get it out this weekend, uh, probably the 19th when it will be published, um, but sadly, tonight, as we were editing the show, we all heard the news of the passing of the United States Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's a big loss. Um, it's a loss when anyone passes away. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an amazing, colossal American. Um, she was a huge champion for LGBT rights, for women's rights, um, for the rights of all men and women. Um, so her passing is a little frightening. And the reason is it leaves a big hole on the Supreme Court, and whoever happens to be president gets to appoint that lifetime position. And the president at the moment is Donald Trump. A lot of people are scared about that, and that him, uh, Donald Trump appointing her replacement will now push the Supreme Court to a much more conservative bent. And um, a lot of things like same-sex marriage and uh, women's reproductive rights and all these different things um, could be in jeopardy in the United States in the future. However, we wanted to just acknowledge this because by the time that episode hits the airwaves on podcast land, you know, everyone would have known of her passing and the, the podcast doesn't announce that. Um, so we wanted to tack this on to the beginning of the episode. What's a lovely way to show your respect and dedication to the memory of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and which is a lovely thing people are doing across the country, is vowing to vote. Now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a fighter. She never gave up. She was a tough lady. She had multiple bouts of, of cancer. She could bench, bench press loads of weights um, earlier this year even, and she died at 87 years old. So what a lot of folks are thinking, it wouldn't be in her spirit to give up and throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, woe is us. Instead, she would say, no, you've got to fight. So that fight takes place in 45 days at the ballot box. So, the podcast, Mr. Jeff and I, if you, wanted to say, if you are an American who's 18 years or older, the best way to go and memorialize and pay respect to Ruth Bader Ginsburg is to go and vote. So, go to vote.org, register to vote, and get all of your friends and family to do the same. And, vote for Biden-Harris at the election. Now, you can go and vote and mail in your ballot. You can go early vote. You can go vote on November 3rd. But what's also really important are the Senate races, because in certain states in the country, like like um, Iowa, Maine, Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, lots of states are really powerful players this time because the Senate races um, will dictate exactly what happens with this um, open seat. Uh, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. So we just wanted to touch base about it because we didn't mention it in the podcast because we recorded it days ago. But remember, go to vote.org, register to vote, and now on with the podcast. This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by the Flexi Girdle Corporation. Is your figure slightly fat? Our new Flexi Girdle snaps you back. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free!
Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served, the coolest show ever. How you doing, Jeff? How you doing, Unanimous? Hey, Brandon. Hey, Unanimous. Ah, another week. Fabulous episode this week. All of them are fabulous, but this one's especially quotable, I would say. Yes. Yes, I do agree. And this was actually one of Molly Sugden's favorite episodes to film. <laughs> 50? Oh, my God. So there's it's we've all talked about before on the episode where, like, if you're an already being served crazy person, like we both are, and a lot of you are listeners, you probably quote the show to all of your friends whether they know what the hell you're talking about or not. Um, I know some of the co-hosts we've had on the show do that, so we're in good company. Um, but there's so many things that, like, 50, I'm 46. Like, that is such a quotable thing. Mr. Humphreys has a lot of little sayings in this one, so keep your ears peeled if you've not seen the episode in a while. Um, such a good episode. Yeah, good one. Good one we're talking about tonight. Yeah. So we want to welcome some new listeners to the podcast, uh, Jason and Nelson and Kyle. Thank you very much for joining us. Gladys says hi. Hello. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention Kyle. Like he and I were like chatting on Facebook because he messaged on the uh, Facebook page, and uh, we're from the same part of the country, so we're like comparing notes and talking about moonshine and. All them southern things? Not really. No, we weren't. But <laughs> and we'll have <laughs> no, a little bit cool. more from Kyle later on. Yeah, we're a little little a teaser there. Unanimous. We won't tell you why, but yeah, we have some some little golden gems we can share later that we learned from Kyle. So thanks, yeah. Kyle. We also got a really sweet email from uh, Kimberly from Houston. Who, oh my god! Uh, called so in cool. a little a while ago. Um, right now, uh, that part of the country is getting really hit. It, it's hurricane season Yeah. Uh, for those who are not in our country and don't and know. And it's getting and earlier and earlier every year too. It right? is. And it is. And this is prime, this is prime hurricane season when it usually is. And right now yeah. there are four hurricanes in the Atlantic right now and two more that are forming. Jeez. Um, and any minute now, New Orleans is going to get hit with, um, Hurricane Sally. So obviously we're thinking about all yeah. of our listeners uh, in the New Orleans, Houston, Mobile area. Um, and, you know, it's, it's you know, speaking of hurricanes, uh, even to make it very local to where Jeff and I are in the world, New York City, um, we had, was it one or two hurricanes in the beginning or middle of August this we year? Had, we, had, we had two tropical storms, yeah. And I will say in Queens, something like 40% of the trees in Queens were uprooted. Yep. Um, there's one one storm where um, all of my friends in a neighborhood called Astoria, uh, which is close to Manhattan, like almost every tree you would walk down the street and they'd be uprooted. Crazy. So we can only imagine how bad it must be uh, in the Gulf Coast and the Pan Florida Panhandle, um, you know, the Houston area. So we're thinking about you folks out there. Yep. So one of the things that um, Kimberly had mentioned, uh, part of her email says, I was checking my hurricane kit, and after I had made sure that I had food, propane, water, dog food, I turned to what will I download to or listen to watch during and after the storm. 
That Does Suit Madam was on my list. My plan was to download all the episodes to drown out the howling winds while Sammy the dog and I huddled in the bathroom waiting to storm out. I felt that your humor and friendly banter would help calm both me and Sammy. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Hi, Sammy puppy dog. And thanks, Kimberly. It's super sweet. Yeah, like we've been getting all this like warm and fuzzies lately. You know what it is also? I think COVID is like getting on everyone's last damn nerve. I mean, it yeah. is mine. All the people I speak to, my family, friends, they're like, this just sucks. So I think we're all just a little bit on, not on the edge, but just, uh. So as we said last episode, we're really appreciative of everyone reaching out. And um, yeah, what's something also cool that Kimberly mentioned is the amazing um, charities and stuff that really help people out. Um, so she mentioned one called um, Cajun, Cajun Navy. Which is really cool. So I remember uh, she mentioned in the email um, there was, was it Hurricane Calvin? I can't remember the one, but it was a big hurricane a couple years ago where... Uh, Katrina. Oh, was it, it was Katrina? Ca- okay. It was Katrina though where it started, yeah. Yeah, well, what these, do, what these, what these folks do, it's they have those great big, um, I don't know what you call them, like the big fan boats that run around in like the Everglades and that kind of thing. And they'll run around and and pick people up who are stranded and who need medical attention. And, you know, when a storm happens, there's water everywhere. So um, cool nonprofit. So check them out. I think you can just Google Cajun Navy and they're all nonprofit. So, um, yeah, so that was cool. But thanks to your your email, uh, Kimberly. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, uh, Sally will have passed. So we'll, you know, look forward to hearing from you on the other side. Yeah. And uh, we also, can I just mention, I need to update everyone about the very important Are You Being Served Clue game. Uh, This is kind of turning into a thing, which is kind of what I wanted. So so I have to clear the record, Jeff. Hold on. Gladys, can you clear the record? Okay. All right. The podcast officially gives credit to the other Jeff for suggesting that meringues could be the clue that kills uh, old uh, old Mr. Grace. Sorry about that, other Jeff. We misappropriated, miscategorized something. <laughs> we What do we say? We said someone else thought of it and he mentioned it before. So consider the, the record clean, uh, other Jeff. Um, and he also suggested another thing that could be that could have been one of the weapons in the Are You Being Served clue game was Rissoles from the canteen. That's so easy. We should have thought of that. I actually thought about that first. Play it uh, back. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm we can only clear the record once an episode, Jeff. Um, and then he also said... That this is, is so one. good. So this is like they're they're laying down the line. So this is cont- maybe the, he will be challenged. Maybe we could have an are you being served clue challenge, and maybe this is a thing that will happen next week. Um, <laughs> he also said the killer in this clue game could be Mister Metaxas in the Taverna with the bazooki. <laughs> 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 That's the episode where Mrs. Slocum gets married to an American, right? And for some reason, there's Greek people. No, no her. Um, no, he, she doesn't get married to her. That's right. Yes, I'm so, you're so good. You're so good. Oh, uh, that's right. And uh, we had another suggestion too. Yeah, this was also a really good one. Superfan Heidi, hey, Heidi. suggested that it that it could be Mr. Mash in the stairwell with galvanized buckets. Poor Mr. Cato. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So maybe that's the thing. If you can think of another suggestion, like a person, place, and a weapon. For who killed old Mr. Grace, let us know, and maybe, I don't know, you'll have the glory of instant fame. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. So 
while you're um, while you're doodling away, drawing the rizzles and the bazooki <laughs> and the galvanized buckets, uh, you might want to take a break and wash your hands. Make sure to put your mask on. While you got the pen in your hand, register, register to vote. And, of course, Black, Black Lives Matter. Matter. Yes. And, and speaking of registering to vote, I just recently started in, and I'll kind of give an update maybe next week on this. But um, I signed up with the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, to do um, at-home texting to voters. So I'm going to test it out maybe tomorrow. And if it's really cool, and I think maybe you folks might like to do it, I'll explain a little bit more, but um, it's pretty cool. Like being able to do stuff to get people out to register to vote and promise to vote um, for Joe Biden and, and, and Kamala Harris. It's kind of cool because I'm in New York City and, you know, there's not a lot of swing states nearby, <laughs> but you can still get involved at home. So that's kind of on the back burner for me. So I'll, 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 I'll up, update everybody about it. Anyway, so shall we talk about uh, 50 Years uh, Old? Let's do it. When did this premiere? Take us back, Jeff. So this episode premiered on May 5th, 1976, and that week in the news, Southampton beat favorite Manchester United in the FA Cup, uh, and that marked the last time that they won that football championship. That's soccer. Soccer. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Um, The band Wings began touring, marking the first time that Paul McCartney had played in the United States since the Beatles broke up. Band on the run. I love Paul McCartney. He's so cool. Wings is really neat. If if you've ever heard of a Paul McCartney song that you've heard a million times on the radio, it's probably Wings, actually. Cool. I will tell you you this about Wings, that um, I think one of the most polarizing holiday songs that's Oh, don't, don't say it. I'm not giving my opinion on it. You already it. have. Know <laughs> popular opinion amongst a lot of people I know is that simply having a wonderful Christmas time is not one of their favorite parts of the holiday season. The mood is up. That's all I'll, that's all I'll do. That's all I'll do. <laughs> um, you can tell which. I think we have a, a, a cleavage between Jeff and I, between the, we, we, the way we feel about that song. But moving right along, quickly. Um, so, um, what happens with this episode? Well, how does it open up? So we start out and six customers get out of the lift. I didn't know that that many customers. That is against some sort of like regulation or something. Fire regulation. Didn't they learn from the last episode what the fire regulations were and how many people can fit in the lift (laughs) at a time? It's make believe. Anyway, one of the customers who gets out looks exactly like Chris Kringle from A Miracle on 34th you know, Now that you said that, you're shorter. so right. That's exactly what he looks like. And it's funny because right? if you notice, like, the, the audience sort of – usually they have a joke within the first five seconds of the episode. And this old man, like, kind of eventually clears out of the, uh, the, the crowd. And the audience is like – What's funny? We've, we're, we're obviously missing something. So then they see a guy with a beard, right. so they're like, that must be it. So then you hear some people like kind of nervously laugh, which was like kind of weird at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, um, the, he needs some beachwear, and his wife speaks for him, right? He doesn't do any of the speaking. Um, so the actor who plays him is Tony Simpson, who is an accomplished character hmm. actor. Um, he plays the old man in a lot of Benny Hill sketches. Oh, okay which is another reason why he might look familiar. Um, and he also comes back to Are You Being Served in a couple of seasons in the episode The Junior, where they have to hire for Mr. Teb's replacement, and he interviews for the job. Oh, yes, and, and he has a hearing aid and that's the one, or something. Right. 
And that's the one where they eventually hire Mr. Goldberg. That's right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. And the wife is played by Mavis Pugh, who is part of the Lloyd and Croft troupe. She was on Heidi High and all of them. And she also comes back to Are You Being Served next season in The Takeover <gasps> as the real Lady Weeble Smith. Lady Weeble Smith. Smith. I beg your pardon, madam. Um, and the, yeah. the both of them do come back in a third episode uh, playing minor characters who aren't really that recognizable, but we'll get there. When Maybe we get that's there. an idea for one of the unanimous folks to Lady Weeble Abel Smith is the killer. But with what weapon? That's the question. And where? With Lavinia's teeth. <laughs> Lavinia's, Lavinia um, Weeble-Able Smith with her teeth on a yacht in the Monte Carlo. Yeah. There you in go. The in the Caribbean. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> um, so Peacock is looking for someone to serve uh, Chris Kringle and his wife, but... Granger can't help because he's brimsteaming. I'm brimsteaming. So that's that's one of those are you being served isms. So my friend Jimmy and I will say, oh, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Cole. I was brimsteaming. Oh, but of course, you know, love it. And uh, Mr. Lucas is helping a lady looking for something large and wife Another quotable <laughs> are you being servitism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Peacock <laughs> asks, if, asks if Mr. Humphreys is free. And he's free. He peeks up from behind the curtain. Yay. Um, and learns that the customer is looking for beachwear. Up, oh, wouldn't you know it? Doesn't the year fly by? One minute it's so come all ye faithful, and the next minute you're flat on the back in the sand. When I was a kid, I didn't really get why that was so funny, but as an adult, I do now. Would you like to explain the joke, Brandon? No. <laughs> so we cut over to the ladies' department, and Mr. Slocum is dismissing a customer, telling her that if her wig is loose, it'll ride up with her. <laughs> So that's pretty absurd. I love it. Can you just picture? We'll write up with. Can you just picture like orientation day one, like how to sell shop things? Just tell everything it will ride up or down, and then as long as they give you the money and they go up the lift door, you're you're done. Doesn't matter. Right. Once it's in the once the money's in the till, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Slocum starts gossiping with Ms. Brahms. It turns out that she was in the pub ordering a bottle of champagne for her birthday. So this is the first hint that she drops that her birthday is coming in three hint. days. That's funny. Hint. A very loose word using the word hint, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mrs. Silkum met a man in the pub. Uh, she got his attention by banging her shoe into the bar in order to drive in a loose nail, which, again, is just absurd, right? <laughs> um, and so when, um, when he came over, you know, she's trying to describe to Miss Brahms what he looked like. It's like, well, you know that film with Steve McQueen uh, where he was a race car driver? And the second that she starts to say Steve... Uh, Wendy Richards' eyes light up. She does a really good job yeah, reacting yeah, yeah. here as Miss Brahms, thinking that, oh, she met a man that looks like Steve McQueen, uh, but it turns out he just had a similar limp to that character he was playing. Who's Steve McQueen? Um, so uh, he was the king of cool in the 1960s movies, kind of a, a grown-up James Dean Was he type. British or American? Uh, he, he was American, okay. yeah, he was American, and he was known for movies like The Cincinnati Kid, the Thomas Crown Affair, The Towering Inferno. Now, did he die or something? Because I don't know of anything he's done past the 70s. He, he must have passed away, right? He died in 1980, yeah. He oh, died okay. pretty young, relatively young. Um, and the movie that Mrs. Slocum is referring to is Le Mans, which is a, a name of a car, so it's a driving, a driving film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did really poorly. It was actually not one of his better-known films. Oh. Yeah. 
So over on the gent side, uh, we learn that Chris Kringle has a first name, which is Claude, and he comes out in his brand new robe for his holiday in the Orkneys. So the thing that I never got was the Orkneys is an island off of the north coast of Scotland. So that's <laughs> way up there. Like it only gets yeah. to about 65, 60 Fahrenheit or 15 Celsius in the summer. It doesn't like, get any hotter. It's like than going that. on the beach in like Reykjavik, Iceland or something. It's like, okay, maybe one day a year. Pretty much. So I don't understand why they need new bathing costumes for this. Like how, how often are they going to the beach in the Orkneys, right? So <laughs> yeah. he opens up his robe to show off his new shorts for his wife and he's forgotten to put them on. So oh there's a little gosh. bit of a panic to close his robe and like get him in the fitting room as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, Mr. Humphreys lets us know that it's a good job that he remembered his wife run. So he wasn't naked showing off his willy to the entire department, just his underoos. But it's funny because I love how Mr. Humphreys was like, we have three options. We have, what does he say? Like the, the Bermudas. Bermudas for here. We have the shorts to here and the briefs to here. And it's like, it's basically your underwear. Like in the in the states, we don't wear like bikini speedoy things. We wear no. like lovely big, bellowous, baggy things. But I don't know. It's just funny. He's like, at least just wearing his wife fronts. Well, okay, I guess. I mean, it's not that different than what he was describing. <laughs> if them, he was but... wearing, a, if he was going to wear a swimming costume, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Mr. Harmon enters the floor with a new center display unit for the if you want to get ahead, get a hat week. But of course, said in his lovely Cockney accent, <laughs> yeah. if you want to get ahead, get a at week. Get it's, a at week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that we learned that that's why Mr. Granger was busy brim steaming because he was anticipating the display. And uh, he's tried to teach Mr. Humphreys the trick of the trade of this favorite pastime. Uh, but every time that he does it, his uh, it goes limp. And we get Mr. Lucas joking, well, your wrist or the brim? We know it was his wrist and we the We know brim. it was both, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mr. Hardman flicks on the display unit, and the hat spins around on his head, and uh, the eyes are supposed to light up, and he goes, I like it, I like it, I like it, it. It's another one of these really demonic but, voices first of all it, well it is a weird thing but it's just like i don't know like some people think they look really I, I remember on a previous podcast episode we disagreed that i think you said they looked really nice and then someone said no they look really cheap so then we kind of like agreed to disagree that like they're belovedly bad yes that's <laughs> you true. know because we talked about how obviously there's like you know it just seemed like props and stuff were sort of in their infancy in a way back in 1970, whatever. Um, this is clearly an old mannequin that if I actually, now that I've saying this out loud, I remember they're reusing a mannequin for the, if you want to get a ed, get a at week. Um, do you remember the episode in the, maybe the first or second season where it's a unisex dummy and they have like a man, a, a male dummy, and they have to like put face fake breasts on him. Right, and they end up using um, the chicken cutlets that Mister Humphreys <laughs> has because he uses them as knee pads when exactly. he's scrubbing the line out. Right. That is this. Now that I'm saying it, that is the same, is the same mannequin. One? That's funny for this thing. So it's the same mannequin, and it looks like very like 1950s, very square, you know. Yeah. And it has like a stupid bowler hat that like levitates off of his head and spins 
which is kind of, and then his, his eyes light up, like you said, demonically. Well, not quite yet, right? Because oh, yeah, that's yeah. It, it, like all of the center display units, it never works the first time. Um, yeah. But uh, the second center display unit of the week comes out thanks to the Flexi Girdle Corporation, our mm-hmm. proud sponsors this week. Thank you. Uh, and what it is, it's a pair of legs in um, in fishnet stockings, and they they just spread open. The legs spread open, and the idea is the girl is supposed to contain your body while you're <laughs> they, in motion. They actually spread like spread eagle, I guess is the right. best way to describe it. That's actually what it is. And <laughs> that is what gets the male mannequin's attention and his li- eyes light up. And I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, we cut down to the canteen, and Mrs. Slocum continues to drop hints about her birthday. Uh, so cute, and so, so cute. They, uh, she decides to uh, go to another table to say hello to a friend to leave everyone alone to... Um, well, oh, no, she doesn't talk about your birthday. I'm going to go... That's true. Yeah. She, yeah, she doesn't quite yet, right? Because Peacock comes in, and he starts moaning about how much money he had to spend taking his wife out to date night to a Greek taverna. That's so now, right, yes, yes. So... Not only do we get Captain Peacock bragging about how much money he spent underhandedly by saying it was so expensive, but he's listing off all of these Greek dishes, which are not very common, that not everyone would know. And and to be honest, I don't think one of them is actually a Greek dish, right? So, (laughs) okay. So first they had some ouzo, which is that aperitif that is like really strong, like grain alcohol. It's like... If you've ever had Sambuca, it's like that, but in my opinion, worse. It's stronger. Let's say it's, that. It'll knock your socks off. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, also they had a Gurunopolu, which is a roasted pig. If you're familiar with Latin American cuisine or Filipino cuisine, they call it lechon. Lechon, yeah. Yeah. Which this, by the way, is delicious. Delicious. Like, and any kind of pig, sign me up, right? <laughs> And they also had some tarama, uh, tarama salata, which I think this is probably the most known of all the dishes. dishes. So it's a dip, um, kind of like the consistency of a bob ganoush or a hummus. Okay. But it's made with caviar and potatoes and Do garlic. people know what hummus and bob ganoush are? People know what hummus and bob ganoush are, yes. Bob ganoush, hummus we all know. Bob ganoush is like mushed up cooked eggplant, aubergine. Right. Yeah. And yeah. a little olive oil, maybe. Yeah. I don't eat the seafood, so I've never had tiramisu so I don't know how it is. Um, but there is a similar Greek dish, which I love, which is called scordalia, which is a dip that's made of garlic. Mostly garlic is a primary ingredient. Okay. And then a little, some kind of starch to hold it together. It's usually potatoes and almonds. And it Ooh. is so good. It's like it's you're eating something the consistency of hummus, but it's just garlic flavor. It's so Jeez, good. that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, you know, look up a recipe for scodalia and try some today. Um, <laughs> and then for dessert, they had some fotiri avraki. Now, I am not a Greek native. I am not a master of Greek cuisine, but I was unable to find any dessert that sounds anything like this at all. The only thing that was the closest that I could find is the name of a Greek singer who was popular in the mid-70s called Fotini Mavraki. So I don't know if he just was saying Greek words and hoping that none of them would pay attention <laughs> and catch on. people would, like, on. take it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the bit what I love the- about – I'm sorry. What I like about that scene is 
and we talked about this again because Mr. Ca- uh, Captain Peacock um, will throw in these continental words, you know, like like throw in some French just to sound fancy. And he did this here, you know, like, oh, I took the wife out and, um, you know, we went to a Greek tavern and we had some ouzo and taramasalata and blah, blah, blah. He just threw them out and it sounded so pompous, wonderfully pompous. I loved it. Yeah. That's, that's half of his personality right there. So the bill for the dinner came to about six pounds, which today would be about 44 pounds or $56. I mean, you know, we're both in the New York City area and dinner for two with drinks. That wouldn't be too hard to do. No, that's not. I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. Right. It wouldn't have to. It wouldn't have to be a special occasion to spend $60 on dinner for two today in the New York City area. With drinks. With drinks. No, that's true. Yeah. No, you're right. But Mrs. Slocum is trying to, before she takes her leave, she's, you know, well, was it her birthday? <laughs> trying to drop this word in in every yes. opportunity she can get, right? Yeah. Um, Mr. Granger talks about his wife a little bit because um, Lucas makes a snide remark about that. Well, my wife has got beautiful ears. They give her a pretty profile. But mind you, head on, it's a bit of a shock. <laughs> I remember cackling out loud when he said that. Yeah. Because for some reason, I thought it would be Mr. Lucas to say, mind you, head on, it's a bit of a shock. But he actually says it himself. Um, and I don't remember her I don't remember her looking that homely. Like, she was in the clock episode at, her, at the retirement dinner. Uh, I thought that she was, she was quite good looking. But I think I think he has like like two or three different actresses come on and play his wife, doesn't That's he? That's also true, right? Yeah. And so we get two other two other hints, you know. Well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure your wife stays up late on her birthday, right? <laughs> so, <Stupid>. so <laughs> Mrs. Slocum leaves the table to go talk to a friend, and so. Oh, this is where she's like, so I'll, as you're all speaking about birthdays, I'll just pop down to the cosmetics counter or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Captain Peacock like, says something's going on, right? And tries yeah. to tease it out of Miss Brahms and figures out, okay, so it's her birthday coming up. We should do a whip round. What, what should we get her? And Mr. Granger goes, I vote we give her a cyanide tablet. Nope. Two, in case the first didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is a weird thing for me, and I'm, I'm a weirdo now. Yeah. When I was watching this the first time around when I was younger, yep. um, I didn't know what the word cyanide was. And, you know, like that's kind of an old-fashioned word, you know, right? But the weird thing is, for some reason, also tablet is a very British word. We would say pill, pill in America, right. you know. In the States. But for some reason, and something about the way he said it and the fact it was from the 70s, not recorded very well, I swore that Mr. Um, Mr. Granger said, cyanide cabinet. <laughs> and I'm like, what is a sign? Is this like a special cabinet where they go and keep poison? And I wonder if someone else out there remembers it as cyanide cabinet. Because I wasn't a... Well, I was a weird kid, but... I don't know. There's got to be someone else there out there in the world who heard that. I guess well, you didn't hear it, that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that when I heard that, I was thinking, you know what? This might be another one of those things that exposes that tiny age gap that we have. Um, because I... I'm very young. <laughs> I, remember, I'm, I remember being very acutely aware of the Tylenol scare in 1982. Um, oh, yeah. So that was... That 
a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah. You you would have been way too young to be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I feel like they interrupted, like a Charlie Brown special, on uh, to come in with breaking news to report on it. Like that, like the seventh person had been poisoned or something like. Oh that. Oh my god! And you know it's in, it's huge if they interrupt Charlie Brown. But I right. will say, like, I only recently learned that Tylenol could kill you. And it was like, I don't think that's a thing that kind of is well known these days. Well, I mean, are you talking about if someone laces it with cyanide? Or you're talking about just overdosing on acetaminophen? Well, just like, like, you're, like you're talking about that when I, I assume, and I, I, to this day, I didn't know that there was a Tylenol scare of 1982. But, yeah, what, what happened, what happened yeah. was in Chicago, someone went around to pharmacies and like tampered with the packaging. They either like took it home and did it or did it in the store and replaced it, whatever. And ended up poisoning seven people and killing them, replacing uh, Tylenol with um, with cyanide. And so what that led to, uh, they Johnson and Johnson instantly recalled all the Tylenol in the country from all the hospitals, pulled it off the shelves. You couldn't get Tylenol for months and they were replaced it with brand new state of the art tamper proof packaging. Like it had that little foil lid on the inside. Oh. The the box was sealed. It had the cap. Like it, there was a triple okay. seal on it, right? If you've ever studied business in college or grad school, one of the first things they point to is how Johnson & Johnson handled the Tylenol scare because they've gotten a lot of good press for the way they reacted to it. They had nothing to do with it. They were not responsible for putting the cyanide in at all, but they took accountability on um, having bottles that were easy, that were easy to tamper with and, you know, did the right thing by stopping business for weeks in order to fix the problem. And wow. I had they, no idea. And That's they crazy. won back their, um, their consumers trust through it. So yeah. some crazy guy out there was just like, or gal, uh, was like, I'm just going to put poison they never in Tylenol. Solved it. Like I could open the bottle, put some poison in there, close it back and someone buys it. Like there was nothing... And you couldn't tell, and you oh, couldn't that's crazy. tell. Well, see, I, what I was talking about, um, there was some, like, big news report that um, acetaminophen, acetaminophen, Tylenol, is, um, can be very, very, very poisonous. And it's very uh, easy to overdose. It it's very and, easy to overdose on it. Right, but what, uh, what they don't... For, for, for our friends overseas, we're talking about paracetamol. We call it acetaminophen in the States. And we call it Tylenol because everything is a product here. Um, but what you do is if you have a Tylenol, you know, you, you have a headache, you ha- take some Tylenol. But then later on you, I don't know, have a stuffy nose and you take a pill for that. The second pill probably has a acetaminophen in it. Yeah. So then suddenly you're taking like four times the normal dose. And for people who have chronic headaches or, you know, chronic pain... So many things have Tylenol in it have a, already yeah. that it's very easy to overdose, and it's really bad on your uh, the lining of your stomach. And you know, you always hear like, "Don't take more than you're supposed to." Okay, but you just don't realize that so many things have it. Yeah. So, well, neither of us are medical professionals, but I know one of the new one of the new recommendations in terms of pain management that's going around um, at a professional level as well as advertising on TV is to take half a dose of um, ibuprofen and half a dose of acetaminophen at the same time. And because they both have different uh, ways that they act on muscles and nerves, um, it makes the pain go away faster. 
uh, a couple of days ago, I had a slight headache and I did that. And I was surprised at how quickly it, uh, it cleared it up. It was gone within maybe five minutes. And for me, it usually takes about 20 minutes for something to kick in. Please consult your physician before listening to this podcast. Absolutely. That's that's, nah. what we, that's what we should make the disclaimer at the end, right? Because, you know, people will like, oh, well, the doctors on the podcast I was listening yes. to, Brandon and Jeff, they said. No, we are. This is not medical device. This is just <laughs> an anecdote. Anyway, back to the show. This does suit uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, pharmaceuticals, <laughs> right? Um, so Captain Peacock suggests that they each chip in 50p. So they reject the Mr. Granger's idea, by oh, the way. Oh, the cyanide tablet. Right. Yeah. Um, but Ms. Browns reminds them that it's Mrs. Slocum's 50th birthday. And the reason she knows this, now this is some funny math here that she's figured out, right? So yeah. last year, Ms. Mrs. Slocum mentioned that she was the same age as her cat. And she bought the cat in 1968. So in 1975, last year, the cat would have been seven. But mm-hmm. there's the old adage that one year of an animal's life counts for seven, Mm-hmm. Um, because they uh, mature at a different rate um, yeah. than, than people do. So in cat years, she would have been 49 last year, and then this year, therefore, she is 50. Mrs. Slocum is 50. I'm surprised you haven't tried to, like, disprove that somehow, because that would be very Jeff of you to do. Like, well, actually, if she aged a year after that, then she would be seven years additionally. <laughs> so that would be she'd be 56. So therefore, we have to take the coefficient and blah, blah, blah. And there'd be like this cosine involved. I don't know. Well, I didn't bother doing that because we learned later that the math is faulty anyway. Or she's just lying. (laughs) Or or she was just lying, right? So Peacock ups the ante to one pound each, but Mr. Lucas won't chip in until they can prove that this really is her 50th. So they decide... (laughs) So cheap. (laughs) They they need a sneaky way to remember, um, to figure this out, because they can't just go right out and, and ask her her age or anything like that, or let on that they're, they know it's her birthday and they're getting her a present. So they try and figure out an, a national event that she can remember at a certain age. Okay. So yeah. the things that they list are the Jarrow March, which was a month-long unemployment protest near Newcastle. Um, she's from Blackpool, pl- clear across the country, so she wouldn't have remembered that. Okay. Uh, that Ibn Saud was proclaimed king of the Hejaz, which is the western part of Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah. Very specific. Yeah. Uh, that the town of Cologne was evacuated by British troops. Okay. Uh, that the Shakespeare Memorial, Shakespeare Memorial Theater in Stratford-upon-Avon had burned down. And then Mr. Granger also mentions the general strike. Okay. And so these were five events that they can choose from to try and see if Mrs. Slocum would recall any of them. Because if she remember, then that would kind of give a date how old she is. Right. And so she comes back, they try all of them, and none of them ring a bell whatsoever. So. I love it that when, she, when they say, do you remember um, when British stooped, when, when, when British troops, how does he St- say it? Stopped using cologne. Stopped using cologne, which means like Calvin Klein's l'eau de toilettes. What are you talking about? No, it's just cute the way he he worded that, you know. No. And then she says, I didn't even know they started. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing cologne. Crazy. Mm. Cute. All right. Um, what do you say we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? I just fancy a spot of tea. Let's do it. I think I might have some of those grapefruit segments, but without the fly. 
Oh, well, that's all protein there, yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. I agree. Let's do it. We'll be right back after getting some yummy nibbles at the canteen. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. All right. Hey, I had some fairy cakes, Jeff. What did you have? How dare you? <laughs> I, I had some kind of soup. I couldn't tell if it was vegetable or chicken, but then you there could always taste a fish it. bone in it. Yeah, like, that's not going to make any difference. Oh, well. So last week we debuted a new segment, um, which we figured out that we didn't really name that well because <laughs> um, I don't eat eggs. So we were talking about something that we don't both like. So we've decided to rename the segment. So today we are re-debuting our brand new segment, which we're calling I'm Unanimous in This. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about electricity. Seems like a really arcane subject to get excited about. But I think if you've ever traveled outside of the country, you've got some shocking, see what I did there, story oh about, um, about electricity. So a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about the plugs in the UK and why they're so bulky compared to plugs elsewhere. And we had a, a fan write in and tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. So do you remember me mentioning Kyle? And then I said that we would um, come back to it. Well, this is it, people. How exciting, unanimous. So Kyle from Memphis, Tennessee um, is an electrician and he was chatting with us on the Facebook and he volunteered some really cool info about um, British plugs. So a couple of um, episodes while back, I can't remember which one it was because we've done 24 episodes, believe it or not. Um, we were talking about plugs and how um, you had to sometimes back in the 50s and 60s put on your own electrical plug onto the wiring of an appliance. Um, I remember, I think we were talking about a tease made, weren't we? Maybe. And how someone had to like go and wire the plug, the end, onto the wire. Um, and we didn't understand why, and we just kind of like, eh, who knows, maybe it was a weird thing that in the 50s for oh, fun, who knows? Oh, you know what it was? It was cold storm. That's right, because Lucas had to go buy and get the right plugs from hardware for a toaster or right, something. that's I don't what know. it was. You're so good. Yeah, so um, Kyle shared – he's an electrician, so he shared, like, all this cool info, and we wanted to share it with you all, too, because we thought it was kind of cool. Um, so as you know, br uh, British electricity is more than double the strength of American electricity. I'm sure I'm not using the right 
watts and hertz and volts and stuff. But anyway, it's twice as powerful as the easiest way I can think of explaining it. Their cycle is 240 volts and ours is um, 110. Right. So I think of it as like water pressure. So if you had like a garden hose, let's call that 100 like 120, like what we have. So if you went to Britain and turned on their electrical garden hose, it would be twice as powerful. Like the stream would be twice as powerful. It's kind of an easy thing to think. So anyway, so Kyle was so cool and he shared the following information. Um, And I'm going to kind of do the gist of it here. So he says back in the 50s, um, after the war, World War II, as we know, we've talked about on the show, um, Britain was really ravaged. I mean, London was bombed. Liverpool was bombed. Lots of places were bombed all over the country. And they really had an infrastructure problem. Um, they had a copper shortage. And one of the things that uses a lot of copper is electrical wiring. Even to this day, like copper is expensive now. So you don't want to put copper pipes and stuff all over your house, right? So as a copper shortage was hitting Britain, they had to kind of create the electrical systems again, using as little copper as possible. So we've talked also about electrical fires, electric fires like heating, heaters. Uh, I think, was it Mr. Humphreys? He he got a new electric fire and had a big party to show it off to all his friends or something. Um, Those things just suck electricity. So if you ever had like an electric heater, uh, your lights might dim, right? Because it just sucks that stuff out. Um, anyway, the long story short is too late. Um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. The electrical demands on electricity in Britain, um, required really like, if you think of that water analogy, think of like a pipe. If you had a lot of pressure and you need to pull a lot of water all at once, you can't use a little garden hose. You're going to use one of those great big, huge pipes. that's like three feet wide. Right? So to have a lot of copper and stuff, you have to have um, – it basically makes the pipe bigger for the electricity to, to, to uh, flow through. But, of course, they didn't have a lot. So they had to create plugs that had fuses inside the actual plugs themselves. So if you have like – I don't know. What do you plug into a wall? Um, a lamp. Imagine how big your 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 plug would have to be. If you had a fuse inside the little plug that oh, you put into the okay, outlet. okay, got it. That makes a lot right? of sense now. Now, the funny thing is in, in, in Europe, they have essentially a very similar type of electricity, like really big pipe, really lots of power going through it. But um, for whatever reason, they didn't have that copper shortage that Britain had back after World War II. So it's funny how things back in the 40s still affect stuff today. Because mm. if you go to, to like France... Their plugs are kind of similar in size to American plugs. But if you go to Britain, they're like a deck of cards. I don't know. It's like, not, it's like this huge thing. Yeah. But anyway, I've always been kind of fascinated when you go over there. You just realize, like, our electricity is so puny. I mean, it's still electricity. It'll still shock you. But it probably won't kill you if you, I don't know, if you're like. If you stick a penny in the points. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you, I don't know, if you have some water in a kitchen and. You're, you touch a radio and, like, there's a wire. It won't kill you. But in Britain, it'll kill you, yeah. won't it? Yeah. Do you, have any, uh, do you have any anecdotes about getting confused by the electricity somewhere outside of the States? Hmm. 
I was very aware when I was in Britain because, you know, it's weird. I think we mentioned this in one of the very first episodes. Um, in a bathroom in, don't worry, I'm not getting too specific people. Don't worry. Uh, in, a, <laughs> in a bathroom in Britain, in England, and I guess in Scotland and Wales too, um, there are no electrical outlets. And I was hanging out with a friend of mine who was British and I said, where's the electrical outlet in the bathroom? And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I thought, you know, to plug in my, I don't know, curling iron or whatever I was going <laughs> to plug in. I don't know. My my curlers. And he said, well, we don't have electrical outlets in Britain. Do you in America? <laughs> and I thought, yes, of, of course. course. What are you do. talking about? Yeah. And then he said, well, okay, that's obviously a difference because they don't even have a light switch in the bathrooms in England. So you go to a brand new home, there's like a pool chain coming from the ceiling. And you're like, that's weird. Why is that? The reason is the power is literally twice as powerful as it is in the States. So like when you, um, when you have an electric, electric dryer, right, in your laundry room, and you plug it into the wall, it's one of those great big huge plugs that, or if you've ever like plugged in an electric car charger for an electric car, really big. Every little tiny like toaster oven, um, clock radio, whatever that you have in Britain is that powerful. So the idea of having like you wouldn't have your electric dryer plug in your bathroom where you're showering, right? Because you could just that's just an, a death waiting to happen. So they have really strict laws in Britain that if you have a bathroom, you can't have a, a light switch. Um, if you, in fact, how do you turn on your light? There's either a, a drop string from the ceiling. Or the switches on the outside of the bathroom as you enter it. Just little things like that. It's interesting. I remember getting confused by being able to turn to cut the power off at the point. Like so, at the plug, there's that little switch on the plug where you have oh, to on the tu- outlet. where you have to turn the outlet on. That confused me for the longest time. Like I'm like, why isn't this thing charging? Why isn't it working? And then figuring out that you actually have to turn it on at the outlet. Yeah, that's weird, and I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a nice little option to have. Yeah. But I'm also thinking, like, why is it important? Well, because you don't want all that electricity to be live in case a kid sticks a penny in there, or you don't want it uh, passively sucking uh, the energy out and running up your bill. Oh, no, that's true. And it's and interesting you said that. It's impossible. So imagine, like, how would a country develop electricity – Knowing that the second you touch it, you will be dead, you know? I mean, here, like, you're, you're taught don't, like, play with right. outlets and stuff. But, like, over there, like, so there's three prongs. So, like, if you have, like, a vacuum cleaner in the States, there's a ground plug on the bottom, yeah. right? But not, like, for a clock radio or anything. But Everything is everything, grounded. That's true. Well, I don't know if it's grounded, but that bottom plug, every single electrical thing you plug in has three prongs. And that bottom prong... I'm trying to think how to say this. It doesn't actually ground it. It may, but what it does is it allows for the electricity to flow. So it's almost a key for each outlet. Oh. So if you if you had a plug without that third one on the bottom, it would not allow electricity to flow into the thing you just plugged into it, which is like a failsafe, which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. And that was electricity. That was that does suit electricity, everyone. So let us know what you think of the new segment and if there are any topics that you'd like us to discuss. Um, I feel like next week, you know, we'll, maybe let's talk about something music-related. 
Okay. Because we've, we've talked about some pretty we- weird things so far. Eggs and electricity. I guess we've got to come up with a band next week starting with E. Erasure. Let's talk about Erasure next week. Erasure. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. E. Okay, it took me a second. Hmm. Anyway, back on the floor, um, Mrs. Slocum is uh, dismissing another customer. She says, well, you know, bring sure to, be sure to bring the garment back if your daughter can't fit into a size 48, <laughs> which is... Um, which is pretty large. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to imagine a person who would not be able to fit into a 48. I have no idea women's sizes. I know like a six is smaller than an eight, but the number 40, I cannot quantify that whatsoever. So, um, Mrs. Slocum begins to imagine what her coworkers are going to buy for her birthday. And she lets Miss Brahms know that the simulated foxes that are on sale for 18 pounds are rather nice. And Mrs. Slocum's like, well, that's not going to do it. Well, <laughs> I, I could make a reduction for a staff discount, and this is kind of shop soil, so how about 11 pounds? And Miss Brahms shakes her head. You'll have to go even lower than that. Oh, look, there's a hole in the lining. So that brings it down to, and Miss Slocum says, well, 6 pounds, 25 pence. Okay, got it. So so Miss Brahms ends up fixing the ticket, writing the ticket. So for someone who has to sell whatever the purchasing department um, buys for them, she seems to be able to have the will to make up prices at her own. And other Jeff, we know that you did um, bring up a similar topic uh, later on. So here is your due credit for this topic as well. Um, And she ends up selling it to a customer who overhears her uh, giving it away at such a good price. Um, Mr. Lucas comes back from the pet department and reports that Mrs. Slocum did indeed buy her pussy in 1969, so they know that she is 50 years old. Um, A pound is still very expensive for them to all have to to chip in, so uh, they try to get Mr. Harmon to pitch in, but he says that he's not allowed on the floor during working hours, (laughs) which is the perfect response. So question, what did we say that Ms. Brahms would make a week just to give it some context, do you remember was oh, it was like five pounds or something a week? I think it was something like nine or eleven pounds. So let's say let's say ten. So like a tenth of your weekly pay to be giving up to a birthday, birthday present. That that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Ten pounds. That's not. Um, they figure out that they're going to get the cake for free because Mr. Humphreys has a lovely tall friend in the patisserie who is going to do something exotic with 50 candles. I love that he says, a lovely tall friend. Of course, he would describe his friend as tall. Right. So weird. Um, (laughs) And then we get a great double entendre from Captain Peacock, and much like all of his other innuendos, He's absolutely clueless that he's saying it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I'll give it to her when the store closes, which <laughs> is a great <laughs> turn of phrase, right? Um, yeah. The, the four gentlemen go to Rumble's office to ask him to chip in, and he agrees to put in a pound. So then they call young Mr. Grace. Uh, who, oh, this is so cute. Who, I have to describe it. Who because is asleep, Mr. first of all. It's so cute. <laughs> he's at so his so because- desk asleep. The camera, like, pans over to, like, his office, which is, like, nothing but wood paneling and, like, a desk, right? I love how b- spartan it is. And the, the lighting is perfect, and he's just sitting there with his eyes closed. <laughs> so stupid. And then the phone rings, and then he kind of, like, startles, startles and wakes awake. up. And 
instantly answers that it's so cute. And he puts he picks up the receiver on the wrong way around. Like that's <laughs> so stupid. Like that is a visual gag we've seen a million times before, <laughs> but he he doesn't catch on right away. And the fact that when he goes to he hears the instruction to switch sides, that he puts it on his other ear, the, the other upside ear. down. <laughs> Oh, God. I, I was cackling just like that um, when I was watching it earlier today. So good. So he he agrees to chip in half a crown for um, uh, for the whip round for Mrs. Holcomb's birthday. So much like we have the word quarter uh, or like much mm-hmm. like we give you the word dime, which means 10 cents, their okay. old coins uh, had names as well that weren't directly related to their value. So... Half a crown was worth two shillings and six pence. Okay. Which would be 12 and a half pence in new money. And then he changes her mind when learning it's her 50th birthday to put me down for five bob. So Bob is slang for a shilling. So he's in he's upping the ante to five shillings, which is 25 pence in new money. Oh my god. So he doubled it. But I, I have to say, like, I don't know, would you call this pre-metric, or what, what type of money would you call this shillings and bobs and stuff? What is that? Uh, pre-decimal. Pre-decimal, yeah. It's so confusing. So uh, we talked about this once. Was one pound composed of 16 shillings no. or something like that? One pound had 12 shillings. Okay. And one shilling had 20 pence. Okay, so it's almost like thinking about the way we tell time. Like, why do we have 12 hours in a day? Well, just because we do, okay? And we have 60 minutes in an hour. Why? Just because we do. And you just accept it. That's the best way that I can think about it. Um, so, but it's, it's hard to, like, convert all of that in my brain. So the owner of the company is chipping in 25 pence while everyone else is chipping in a full pound, Right. So that's not going to make not going to make a, a a bit of difference, right? So now they're trying to figure out what to get her. They've already dismissed Granger's cyanide tablet, but <laughs> Mister Rumble suggests fifteen vouchers for a canteen lunch, and Mister Lucas says, "Well, that's a lot like Mister Granger's suggestion," <laughs> which is funny, right? Um, they try to figure out, you know, what about a voucher for the pet department when her pussy's all worn out, which is pretty funny. Uh, and then uh, a voucher for Madame Barrow's beauty parlor, right? So they, they don't decide on any of those. Um, but then they do yeah. give Mr. Rumble the good news that Mr. Humphrey's friend is making the cake. And Lucas breaks here. And I couldn't understand what he was, um, what is it anticipating that he was cracking himself up on, right? Um, perhaps it was Mr. Humphrey's <laughs> line. I'd like to make it quite clear that being of an affectionate nature, I have friends of all shapes, sizes, and sexes. Even this morning, I had some amorous advances from a rag and bowman's horse, which I repulsed. A horse was chasing him down the street, is what this said. That was just like, and then of course, was it, didn't Mr. Lucas say, which sex of the, was the horse? Right. As if that matters. As if that matters, right. <laughs> and then, what is a bone and, and, bone and a ra- bowman's? A rag and bowman's horse? I'm assuming like the, the, either the, the garbage collector or the dustman. Or maybe uh, someone who collects scrap. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, like um, like today you'll see people driving around like an old pickup, picking up like old, like metal scrap and right. stuff. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. 
And then here comes the bit that the entire episode is known for. I think this is the oh, most memorable scene of the entire episode. They have to have a rehearsal when the store closes on how to sing happy birthday. Because, of course, nothing can be easy in this store. And it has to be protocol and it has to be well rehearsed and exact. Oh, yes. They realize that they don't know her first name. Because they're on <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Formal basis, they don't even know her first name, right? So right. they have to figure out, they're going to figure out later what her name is, but they're just going to hum the placeholder right now. And <laughs> so Mr. Rumbold gives Captain Peacock his notes and hum and assumes that her name is two syllables and sings, Happy birthday, dear. Uh, uh. <laughs> which. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, uh. uh, then <laughs> um, Captain Peacock thinks that, well, she signs her name with an E. Maybe her first name is Eleanor. So that's three. Just random E name. It could be this. So Let's that, try that. That's three syllables. So happy birthday, dear. Uh, uh, uh. And then Granger <laughs> pipes up. I think her name is Esmeralda. Esmeralda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Happy birthday, dear. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Granger makes a funny. Because uh, they decide, well, are they going to do, you know, how many us are they going to do? And they've decided on two. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Granger makes it funny. Well, I agree. Two uh, is human. <laughs> oh. And he's the only one who laughs at his And he's so joke. proud of himself. He's so proud of his joke. <laughs> and I'm proud of him, too, because that's he never gets any funny bits, right? Good old Mr. Granger. So Mr. Rumbold has arranged a three-part harmony with a melody and a desk hand. For happy birthday. Like you wouldn't do the same, as, Mr. As, you, on. as one does, right? Yes. So he assigns the melody to himself, Miss Brahms, and Mr. Granger. Um, Mr. Captain Peacock gets the bass notes. And Humphreys and Lucas get the desk cant, which is... So cute. You know, kind of uh, all sung in minor notes um, as opposed to the melody. But mm -hmm. it goes real high. And so Mr. Lucas doesn't think he can let that last note... Until Mr. Rumbold encourages him, you don't know what you can do until you try. True. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys, true. So they get through the rehearsal. It's pretty funny watching um, Humphreys and Lucas get all tired out and exhausted from trying to reach <laughs> that, um, that high note. Like they gave themselves hernias. I love, I love it when they say... Um, so it's Mr. R Mr. Rumbold gives the example of what they have to sing. Happy birthday, dear. Oh, oh. Happy birthday to you. One of these days, I'm going to record all of the parts and then mix it so that I can just send it to somebody for their birthday. But before that, um, Mr. Rumbold gives an ex example of it, right? And then Mr. Lucas looks at Mr. Humphreys and then Mr. Humphreys says, which, which is almost his new catchphrase, do you mind if I have a word with my friend? Because he said and it last episode away. twice. In I know, yeah. yeah. So then he walks away, and it's so cute because they walk around, and like they have to have a secret little meeting so no one can hear what they're doing. So their arms are – their arms. <laughs> their backs are to the camera. Their arms are to the camera. Um, anyway, so they're, they're hiding away from the camera, and you can't really hear what they're saying. But all you can see is Mr. Humphreys kind of go and like lift himself up on the tip of his toes, and then he goes – <laughs> you know exactly what he's saying. He's like, I can't, I don't think we can hit that high note. It's so cute. Uh, it's in visual gags. So, so cute. Visual Love gag, it. no verbal, no sound. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. So, 
in the last scene, it's her birthday. It's the end of the day, and they're getting ready to uh, wrap up. And Mrs. Slocum lets uh, Miss Brahms know that her and Mrs. Axelby are going out for a quiet dinner near the dance hall. The bell rings. That's it. They throw the dust cloth over. over and Captain Peacock um, calls Mrs. Slocum to stay behind. And she feigns surprise, almost <laughs> as bad at acting as... Captain Peacock was when he learned that Mr. Granger was going to get promoted temporarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me? What? Who? Me? <laughs> well, That's so cute. We, we couldn't let your day pass without making a little gesture, uh, to which <laughs> Mr. Granger does the Queen Anne's fan, where you put your thumb on your nose and wiggle the fingers. Oh, is that what it's called? That's called the Queen Anne's fan, yeah. So they end up giving her the gift and they all have a little remark on it. Oh, I've had one of those for years. My wife has always wanted one. I couldn't do without it. Oh, I didn't know they came in that color, but da 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 da. Uh, And this is where Mr. Humphreys clearly breaks the fourth wall, as opposed to the other times where he's just kind of hinted at it. And he addresses the audience and says, we're not going to tell you what it is, but it's a secret. So I think this is probably one of the best scenes in the whole series. I think this is the coolest thing. The fact that they, the camera looks at each person as they're holding this big red box and they open it up and they say, I've never actually seen one before. I wish I had one of these in the war. Oh, I've had one for years. I wouldn't do without it. Like each little saying that they say is perfect for their character. And you can't, you one, can't even imagine what it is. Right, and each one makes it more confusing. Like the first, what does Lucas says? What does Lucas say about it? Oh, because he's the first. No, is it? No, it's Miss Brahms. Who's no, it, it's Mr. Lucas one. is the first one to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I can't. I, I don't recall what he says because he's not the one. Mr. Rumble has never seen one before. He was the last one. Yeah, but it's just so cute the way they do it, and then at the very end. <laughs> so stupid. Humphreys looks at the camera and says, we're not going to tell you what it is. It's a secret. And then he winks. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So here is the big reveal for the song. So they sing Happy Birthday and they've all got a slip of paper on it with um, Mrs. Lilcombe's real name on it. And so they reveal her name, which is Mary Elizabeth Jennifer Rachel Abergavenny Slocum. I don't get that. It's, a, it's just a joke that they didn't know what her name is, and now they have her, her entire full name. Not only did they learn what her first name is, but they learned what her middle name and her confirmation name and her maiden name. Oh. See, if they had mentioned that, like, we couldn't figure out what her name was, so we just have them all. Okay. That would have made sense to me, but maybe I'm a simple man. So Mr. Humphrey's friend from the patisseries, Kate, comes out. And they had, uh, he described Mrs. Slocum over the phone to his friend, and the friend promised to make a cake that lived up to the expectation exactly as described. (laughs) It's a big pair of bloomers with the protruding buttocks and lots of candles sticking out with a big 50 on it. And she has a Granger-esque reaction to that. Yes. Where she goes, 50? 50? I'm only 46! And stomps off. Yay. And that, our friends, is the episode. I love how, how Mr. Harmon says, just as he unveils the cake with, uh, with, a, with a drop cloth on it, he says, she told me to tell you that she said she hopes that this cake reflects the personality reflects of the, the person. Reflects the personality, right. As, as was told to her. And then, boom, <laughs> the sheet's gone. And then you see, like, a, pair, a, big, a big ass. 
with bloomers that probably looks like what Mrs. Slocum wears. I mean, that I mean, we've seen we've seen them several times accurate. before. Those are her directoire knickers, if I've ever seen a pair. Yeah. yeah, and then, and just even the candles bursting out the top and the bottom—they just seem vulgar somehow. Um, kind of like so her. Cute. It's kind of reminiscent of her hairdos. How those candles stick out all over the place. Oh yes, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Good episode. So many quotable things. Good, great, great, great episode. Um, Mr. Brandon, what are we going to talk about next week? Next week on the podcast, we're watching, uh, we're reminiscing, oh, what a tangled web. It's the one where Captain Peacock is on trial in the boardroom. Hold on. Looking up. Brandon's looking looking up. up. In the boardroom. Um, Because apparently he had a bit of a fling, a bit of a naughty night. Maybe, allegedly, with that uh, dishy Miss Hazelwood in the car park in Reading. Or Carl Schulten. Who knows? We'll find out next week. That's a great episode. I think that's one of the top, my top three episodes. Did you write that all down? Yes, Mr. Grace. We'll throw it away. This is off the record. <laughs> so good. So it's really good. Uh, and we will see you then next week and until then until then if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter you can also write us an email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com or you can call the Peacock hotline at 662 Peacock that's 662-732-2625 alright thank you very much Unanimous you've You've all all done done very well. well bye That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only, and it is not medical advice. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Post office will not deliver without postage.